2: hello this is the game football podcast from the times tonight England are through to the knockout stages at Euro 2020 top of their group but have they added style to their substance Scotland go crashing out unfortunately what went wrong for Steve Clark's side and France and Portugal get ready for a massive clash to end the group stage this is the game euro 2020. Remember, you can subscribe to The Times and The Sunday Times right now for more of our fantastic Euro 2020 coverage. Sign up today for less than a pound a day. Just go online and search thetimes.co.uk forward slash the game to start your free trial. And I'm delighted to say, firstly, I'm Hugh Wissencroft, but I'm joined by Gregor Robertson, Alison Rudd, James Restall, and Jonathan Northcroft. How are you? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, Gregor, I'm sorry, mate. I'm sorry, mate. Yeah. We'll get to Scotland in a moment because I know Jonathan's inside Wembley. He's got loads of work still to do for the Times, but we should reflect on what went on there tonight. England top of Group D after a 1-0 win over the Czech Republic. Um, Bakayo Saka, Jack Grealish, Harry Maguire and Carl Walker were the four changes that Gareth Southgate made for this match. And I think they added real impetus. Johnny, I'm going to start with you. What did you see tonight from the inclusions? I saw lack of fear. I, I, I saw positivity and, and two
0: you know, uninhibited, very intelligent and, and unpredictable players in Grealish and Saka that, that just gave England dimensions that they hadn't had in the, in the previous two games. I mean, Saka just absolutely amazes me, has done since he you know, burst on the scene, as Micah Richards would say, in, in, in Arsenal. And, you know, he was playing on the wrong side tonight. We all looked at the team sheet and thought. Saka on the right, are you sure, Gareth? And, you know, it, it took it took his first involvement intelligence. I picked up the ball and came in field and exploited the space to show that he was gonna have a good night and and he went on from that. But you know, after his after his, his great introduction to the game and you um, help helping create that goal, he then settled into a really solid performance. And and Grealish should have been playing from the start of this tournament. We saw why, you know. The guy moves fences around. He gives them a problem they don't often face. It took him, you know, that involvement to, to show his worth. The goal he created was a beautiful little cross. And, you know, Grealish has played better, of course he has. But those moments when he does have the ball, um, you know, they, they, they upset. They, 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 they worry and, and they, as I say, move around, even a well-organised defence. And, and um, I, I thought we saw what England were lacking. Um, in, in the first two games.
2: You think they took a step forward, the kind of step forward that would worry a huge team like France, Germany or Portugal next? I think they need to step up a bit further to, to to worry the very best. And
0: I think also, you know, because those two and, and the mix worked in this game, there might be other games that it wouldn't work quite so well. But I think if you can bottle the the spirit the approach the principles that england had there'll be a much, you know there will be a dangerous team to anyone playing at wembley exciting the crowd playing with pace in their game they were pressing again tonight as well that was that was another big thing they seem to remember that, that you know the pressing game's been a big part of, of the development since the world cup and there's a return to that so they're much more like the kind of team that could compete with the bigger sides. You know they need to step it up further because we've seen performances from Italy and Belgium that are on a much higher level. But
2: it was a step in the right direction. James Saka was impressive. I think Johnny's right. He was, of course, the man of the match, the standout performer. But it causes big questions for the manager Gareth Southgate. Do you think he, he has to include Saka going forward after his performance? I think it was it was a brilliant performance from Saka. Um, I love the way he
3: stretched the Czech Republic. I love the way he caused them problems every time he got on the ball and made them think um, and I think that's really what England have lacked in the first two games. I think a lot of it is going to be dependent on who England play in the last 16 because for example if it's Germany you finish second in Group F and they play with a wing-back system I'd be quite excited to see Saka potentially in a, in a wing-back position. Um, I, I was, uh, it was interesting it, there were some uh, some phases of play for England tonight where Carl um, Walker sort of tucked back in and sort of formed that back three that England played at the World Cup, and um, and, and and that kind of allowed Shaw on the left and Saka on the right to kind of give the width. And I do wonder if that was a little bit of a glimpse of what we might see if. Uh, if it is the Germans who England are drawn against in the last 16.
2: Alison, what do you think about Jack Grealish? I think tonight he showed that he should have started all three games for England so far. I just think he was one of those that you couldn't leave out whatsoever. But the good thing is he's showing the manager why he should play. I'm I'm slightly bemused. Is he on your list of favourites or not? Is it still just Olivier and then Guilfie and then no one else? <laughs>
4: <laughs> You're half pigeonholing me, Hugh. Um Uh, As I'm wearing, you know, I'm wearing a CCCCCCP shirt, which just shows the breadth of my um, uh, love for for football in past and present. But um, no, I think the wonderful thing about Jack Grealish, or the peculiar thing about Jack Grealish, is that if he hadn't played at all yet, then the clamour would be for him to play. And he has played, and the clamour is still for him to play, which just goes to show that he is somebody that most england fans think can uh, give england a different dimension um a fearlessness i mean he wins he wins free kicks all the time he's he's just horrible to play against i um i love i love his mischievousness i like his attitude i think he probably winds up opponents i i think he gives his teammates a lift i like the, the, the goal celebration it was clear that although he's been a peripheral figure at that moment it felt like he'd been part of part of the setup properly and they were fond of him and that the players um, his teammates want him to start I, I get i really do get that impression so he's, he is one of my favorites to answer your question and i suspect he came off because Gareth Southgate was already thinking I'd like him to be fresh and ready for the knockout game to come. Before the tournament started, I thought, who is the one player who is likely to excite other countries, you know, fans from watching all over the world, tuning in, who who in England might they go, Ooh, I like I like the look of him and want to know more about him? I, I figured it would be They'd know all about Harry Kane, but I figured they'd like to know more about Jack Grealish. He's, um, he's got a slight sort of superstar look to him. And I, I don't think he, um, in a strange game, I thought it was a strange game, not a particularly uplifting game, but a strange game, I thought, I thought he, he made it more attractive to watch, more interesting.
3: What I was most impressed by with Grealish was the way he dealt with that huge weight of expectation that was on his shoulders. Everyone, the whole nation from about the 20th minute of the Scotland game, it seemed, was calling for him to come on and calling for him to start. This is a man who's not won many England caps before, certainly not in in, in huge games at major tournaments. And kind of, it, it, it it almost felt like, particularly with the number seven on the back of his shirt, it almost felt like the kind of levels of expectation we demanded of David Beckham in the way that we were expecting someone to kind of come on the pitch and do something that would lift England, drag them over the line. Uh, boy, did he do that today. Uh, and and I think that's that really is, is is a mark of how good that performance
2: was because it was all on him today and, and he delivered. Three clean sheets for England, Gregor, so far. Um, Harry Maguire came back for them tonight. He could be hugely important as well. But are we going to see in England that is is more solid than entertaining from here on
5: out? The thing with every, everything, every decision that Southgate makes is uh, I think at hardly he is a bit but kind of conservative in his thinking, and I think even that's that's why we haven't seen Grealish from the start because he wants to, he wants all these players to be without the ball to be a you know a, a real team player. And, and Grealish, rightly or wrongly, kind of has that, that little bit of a that attached him that he's that he's not. And Grealish often covers more distance than anyone else on the pitch. He certainly does put in a shift. Um, so looking, I, I think when you look at that, you look at that back that that back six actually now and pick plus Pickford. That seems to be the the most solid foundation for England. I think they finally kind of a, had the opportunity to field all those players and be sort of come to that understanding. I think some people want Henderson to play. Some people, if you look at social media, think Henderson's a clown that he's that he, <laughs> he's lived on the pitch before someone else. That's the other thing to say. There. are no matter who there's a clamour for, there's always going to be a clamour for someone else. And part of that is because England have so many good attacking players. And part of it is because that just seems to be the makeup of English fandom. Um, you know, when the team sheets were put in, I don't think anyone really wanted to see Saka playing. They were, were saying, you know, we're, we're Sancho that's died down a little bit just now, but there's always gonna be someone. So I think you've just got to try you've got to kind of hard as it may be, just to trust in, in Gareth Southgate who sees them every day in training and, and is the man to decide who's best to play for against which opponent.
2: Well the manager himself says England aren't fluent at the moment. They're playing in moments, he says, I wonder if, if flashes of individual brilliance are going to be enough for England. You've got the likes of Sterling and Grealish in there, of course Saka who we mentioned, Phil Foden as well. He may not have a decision to make over Mason Mount's involvement in the next game, but someone has to lose their spot. I mean, they can't all play, can they? James, who would you leave out? Uh, I think
3: on the basis of the last couple of games, and it's tough, but I would probably leave out Foden, to be honest, if it's a choice between Foden and Grealish, because I think you still need to have uh, some some pace in that forward line. I think you need to have someone who's going to stretch defenses, make those runs in behind, and create space for for finishers like Kane. Um, so I, I think Foden has, I think we've seen flashes of, uh, of, of, of brilliance, like particularly the first sort of six minutes, I think the first six minutes of the Croatia game, he had that shot that hit the post and he, he was, he, he had a very sort of bright start against Scotland, but faded. Whereas I think Jack Grealish was a bit more consistent in his performance tonight. Talking of Foden hitting the post, uh, fun stat for you all: uh, England have hit the woodwork more than any team in the tournament so far. Um, but, uh, but but no, I, I think I would go for I'd go for Grealish over over Foden, and I don't believe you can play um, both of them.
2: Allison,
4: uh, I agree completely. I think the problem with Foden is he's clearly technically excellent, but he disappears, and um, you can't do that. at these championships so both Saka and Grealish neither of them disappeared they know they want the ball they get involved if the ball's not coming to them they go and find it there are periods where Foden I don't I don't even know entirely what his best position is um and maybe maybe that was always his problem at Man City that you know Pep didn't know exactly where to put him I I don't I don't see has a natural place in the England team. There isn't a, a position that's crying out for him, so I think it's a more balanced team with him out of it. Which which seems an odd thing to say because he's a brilliant player, but I don't know where I put it.
5: Foden's playing in a team that is nowhere near as tactically sophisticated as Manchester City. That's a big part of it. He's not he's not got the players to play the little little bounce passes around the, the penalty box with. Or if he does, they're not they're not doing it. I think. You know, everyone is is calling out for an individualist, and Jack Grealish is that is that man. So, absolutely, Jack Grealish. I I was I said the same as Alison in the kind of preview podcast in a separate one. I I said the same. I think he could still be the, the player who we look back upon this tournament and say he was the breakout standout performer for England.
0: It's a tough one because I would always want to have Mason Mount in 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 the team. So you'd, you'd be thinking of him coming back um, for the the, the quarterfinal. Um, but you know, for 9 to sixteen, depending who it is, I, I, I guess, you, I guess you probably keep, you've got to keep, you got to keep Sterling and Kane, of course. Um, I'd, I'd have played Grealish in every game. So I guess it's, it's whether you think Saka is going to work again, in that position. But you know, much as Phil Foden's a wonderful player, um, he doesn't get back in on, on, on form. So I guess. No, I'm, I'm still wonder, I do wonder about the midfield. I wonder about Henderson maybe coming back in. Um, or even Bellingham coming in at some point. I think, you know, I mentioned the pressing and I think that's that's really important, that whatever they do, there has to be
2: like greater energy at the top of the pitch that that, that was shown tonight. I, I do think that Phil Fonans may be waking up to the weight of responsibility of, of being in the England team because I think some of the other players there, Saka has had to carry the weight of Arsenal on his shoulders. Of course, Jack Grealish has had to do that for Aston Villa. And I think this is the first time in his career that maybe Phil Foden's had to step out from some of the other world-class talents that he's, of course, surrounded by every day at Manchester City. You can go and win a game for them at any given moment. So I think he'll get more and more used to it. But of course, those comparisons with Gascoigne are now very, very quiet. Um, just finally, before we move on to Scotland, moving away from the group stage, what sort of confidence, Alison, do you think England should take? How? Should, what sort of mood are they in?
4: I suspect they're slightly peeved that people aren't gushing. I mean, the overwhelming social media and phone-in response has been, well, it's still a bit dull, because we've had some absolutely storming matches. I mean, there's been, you know, the heart, heart rate's been going, they've been pulsating, there's been goals galore, beautiful goals, astonishing goals, drama, and none of that is attached to England. And also the way their group has unfolded, I mean, there's even criticism for the finishing top. I mean... And that might well be the worst thing they've ever done. Because the one thing you want to do is avoid what comes out of the group of death. You know, it's like it's like it's like going to you know in medieval times seeing a village. you know with you know the plague is here. Don't come here. And you know Gareth Southgate blithely trots in because they might have some water for his troops. You don't do it. So it's <laughs> it's not. I just I just feel you know I, I honestly think maybe the Czech Republic were just being very clever. They just didn't want to finish top. It might backfire on them because we don't know who they're going to get in third, but it's probably worth the risk, isn't it? Because it's just not going to be a very easy round of 16 match. I don't think there's masses of confidence externally. Internally, they'll be incredibly pleased with the clean sheet and the fact that they're able to shift players in and out. That's really good. And other teams don't do that, they stick with the defense they've got. So uh Yeah, internally, they'll be pleased, but externally, I think there's a lot of convincing to be done that they can go deep into the tournament.
3: This is still a very young England team. Um, I think this is, I think the team that started against either Croatia or Scotland was the youngest team England have ever fielded at a major tournament. And I think there's a bit of perspective that needs to be put in here. This isn't the finished article. There are still some amazing players and still some, of course, some, some, some really talented players playing at top clubs in Europe. But I think. Sadly, I think a lot of the narrative will kind of be shaped by what happens in the last 16. And I think if England, if England obviously continue to be hard to beat, don't concede, um, whisper it, win on penalties. Um, I, 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 I see Gareth Southgate as a bit of a narrative changer and a hoodoo breaker for England. And, you know, my, if I could play out my dream scenario, it would be Germany in the round of 16 at, Wembley's, and at Wembley and England win on penalties. Uh, because I, I just think that would be that, you know, God, what would happen you know, we'd, we'd all, we'd, you know, we'd all go through the roof, wouldn't we? It would be, be incredible if that happened. But, um, but, but if th- that's what I mean, if that happens and England go through, then this is looking like a very canny, successful tournament for England. If, and I, I, I don't think this would happen, but, but if, if, if you get a, a sort of a repeat of say the 2010 world cup where England were kind of unconvincing in the group stage get through to the round of 16, play Germany and get Thomas Mullard, then I think it would actually be, well, I, th- I think then we, then we're starting to raise serious questions about, well, what was, wh- what will this tournament be remembered for? And, and will it be remembered for a couple of flashes of brilliance where Raheem Sterling scores a couple of goals, but England don't really have any shots, don't really have any chances and, you know, it it kind of ends up becoming a bit of a forgotten tournament, and I think that would be very sad, given the quality in the England squad. So, um, sort of, I, I don't really think I can come to a conclusion on this. I think we have to wait and see, and I think that what's going to happen is going to is going to play out and be very dependent on the opponents um, England draw and the manner in which
2: they play them. Well, England will have a tough clash next time out at Wembley in front of 45,000 of their fans. The capacity now goes up for that last 16 tie. Jonathan Northcroft, who's at Wembley, I appreciate you being on the game podcast. I know you've got to dash and do another rewrite for the next edition of The Times, but thank you for being with us. And of course, commiserations about Scotland. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. It's to be expected. Johnny, thank you so much. And up next, we will talk about your beloved Scotland because it was a devastating night for them. They were beaten 3-1 by Croatia, who actually finished second in the group with the Czechs third. It finished 3-1 on the night at Hampden Park and means it's now 11 major tournaments in all in which Scotland have gone home in the group stage. Yes, I'm sorry, Gregor, but tell us exactly what happened tonight.
5: Uh, I mean, I'd like to say there were fine margins and for a lot of the game there were Um, but ultimately we were beaten by a a much better team with some a couple of world class players particularly Luka Modric who really kind of stepped up and you you could say Scotland made them look really good because they haven't looked good so far in this tournament I think we'll all agree on that but there was more. There was more than that. They kind of they had they had a bit bit between their teeth, and they had to ride the storm. Scotland started really, really well and had some. I've never seen a team have as many kind of half to three fifth good chances. You know, <laughs> just slightly better than a half chance, but not quite a kind of a great opportunity. You know, John McGinn put some great balls into the box that people just couldn't quite. Get their head or foot to, or you know, McGinn had one as well in the second half. Armstrong swung it in, and he he went with the outside of his left foot, like a yard a yard out of the back stick, and he he couldn't get his leg round it. And that that happened just before Modric scored an absolute worldie. Um So yeah, it's it's obviously hugely disappointing. But as, as I said from the start, I you know I can't bring myself to be to be angry, or I, I'm devastated, but. I'm not like, I think we should look to the future. And I was really, it was, I was quite kind of touched by the last few minutes when, you know, from the third goal, it was like the wind was taken out of it. The atmosphere sounded incredible as well, but when the third goal went in the wind was taken out of it and it was just, you know, completely dead. And then the last few minutes, the crowd started, you know, kind of roused themselves and started singing we'll be coming down the road and You know there is some hope and don't cry gregor Gregor, don't cry (laughs) i'm not i'm not near to tears um (laughs) that was after the england game (laughs) (laughs) no there is but we you know we've got mcginn tierney mctominay robertson gilmore these are guys who can be at least another two tournaments you know maybe three uh if we get there that's the big thing but we have got we have got kind of a little bit of room for optimism i think um and i think they gave it everything i think if Clark was honest, he looked at the looked at his team in the first game against the Czechs again, fine margins. But I think I think he kind of landed upon the, our best opportunities, the best way of us playing, against uh, England and and in this game. But it still wasn't good enough.
2: I wonder what to think about this campaign: one point and one goal. And it, it, to be honest, looking back on it, I th- feel like that game against the Czech Republic you were always playing catch-up. You know, that was the must-win. I went to Baku and yeah. I saw, saw Wales and they played Switzerland in the first game and they they thought that was must-win, really. I know they got a point, but it, it gave them that catalyst to go on to win the next match against Turkey. And I just wonder whether that performance in the first game meant Scotland were always playing catch-up.
5: Look, I think so. I think when you look at it, they're the team that we were kind of closest closest to in quality. I don't think the Czech Republic are a great side. And Croatia, we expected more from them when they really needed to find something. They found it against us tonight. Um So absolutely, that was that was a big one. And I think probably Clark will regret not playing Adams. Adams has been excellent from the moment he's been put in. He came on in that game and he made a difference. And he was a real handful against England. Just, he's just not got that final bit of quality. We just don't have it. We don't have the person who's going to stick the ball in the back of the net. Despite him playing really well, despite Lyndon Dykes throwing himself into everything, despite McGinn being full of energy and running and desire and creativity at times as well, Um we just don't have that that player. So that's the, that was a kind of glaring hole in our team, obviously, if we can only score one goal. And it was a good goal. Gregor. McGregor took a Brought it down beautifully, and it was a nice finish. So, uh, at, least we, at least we had that moment. I've been, mean, I woke up, I woke up my one month old daughter. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> Susie wasn't best pleased, but I, I enjoyed it.
2: Well, you can tell Susie it's not going to happen that often, so she won't have to worry about <laughs> it. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't matter what age. Uh, Alison, were Croatia too good tonight, do you think? Led by Luka Modric, but there are other midfielders as well. They were fantastic with the ball.
4: They spooked me a bit, actually, because after the opening game I thought oh you know they've just aged and they've not replenished and yeah okay they're technically gifted but if you can't move around the pitch quickly and there are so many you know teenage stars at this tournament that it's going to be continue, continually embarrassed really and then you know, they're suddenly they look like they look like the Croatia of the world cup three years ago and it it looked like it really meant a lot to them um they their interplay was fantastic the point is if you're classy and you know how to play economical accurate technical football you can overcome lack of pace uh, quite easily you just bypass the the mcginns of this world who are flinging themselves at you. you just play the ball through him, past him, around him. Anyone running at you, you just use the ball, and they did that beautifully. And I'm starting to think maybe they're like Italy used to be when Italy used to start tournaments and look slow and a bit out of off the pace a bit, and then they'd slowly ease into the tournament and their class would show and they'd do really well. Um, so yeah, I, I've gone from thinking Croatia were the disappointment of of. Of the Euros to thinking, ooh, you know they've got a, they've got a nice, they're avoiding the group of death and uh, they might they might they might make the semi-finals if they continue to play. I mean, you know, to be fair to Scotland, they did play incredibly well. Uh, I listened to Andy Robertson afterwards, and he was just he was more or less just gushing about them. You don't do that unless you just know you've been outclassed. So they were all the things they weren't in their first game. Very strange, but maybe that's how you win a tournament you look shocking to start with and then suddenly everyone goes ooh look at that
5: Modric did a few things in the game that were just ridiculous little turns and some of these dummies were just like you know oh oh wow oh <laughs> it was kind of a little bit embarrassing actually um and this uh, t- taking that strike without saying he was right foot this the cottage corner as well that that set piece you know some people were criticizing Kieran Tierney I really have very little. Sometimes you just got to hold your hands up. The movement from Perisic was incredible, you know, back and forward. And he just bought half a yard, but he was five or, t- five or six yards ahead of the front post. And he had a huge leap. Tierney's, you know, not, not that far behind him, but he's not in front of him. And he got the glance that he needed. And it's like, sometimes he can't defend these things. And the, the first goal is the only one I really have any criticism over them for. I think McTominay, was slow to come out. McGregor was too slow getting across. But look, at the end of the day, we were we were beaten by a a superior team, and I think we. I'm just I'm just glad we were there.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, it was a lovely experience, and of course, the playoff was a massive, massive thing as well. But, you know, like I say, it's 11 tournaments now and, and you mentioned how many talented players are coming through, have, have come through in recent years in this Scottish team. Just wonder whether you feel anything about the manager, Steve Clark and his abilities going forward with this team?
5: Not in a million years. I think he's got to be the man to, to lead us forward. I think we'll still have Lyndon Dykes and Shea Adams up front, possibly in, uh, Nisbet coming through. We're still going to struggle for goals. That's the way it is. I think if you look at the rest of the team, O'Donnell had a a blinder against England, but tonight he had a really tough time uh, against Vlasic down the left. Um, We're still having to play a midfielder in the back three, although that was the best decision to play McTominay there. Kieran Tierney is a marauding left back and he's playing in the back threes. He did his best to get all our best players on the pitch. We still don't have any really... Centre forwards who deserve of of this stage really, and I think until someone emerges who's of Billy Gilmore's quality and he's a striker, uh, we could be it's going to be a tough task for any manager.
4: And you have to stick with with Clark, I think, because it's about understanding how tournament football works, isn't it? And he he'll have many a sleepless night thinking, oh you know the way the games fell And he'll regret thinking that nil-nil against England was a success when, you know, it was, it was there to take more points from that match. That was slightly naive. That sense of, I think they overdid the underdog thing. You know, once you, once you've recognized your opponents are not at it, you, you, you go for the jugular. There were sort of moments through those three matches where I just felt if he could rerun them, he'd manage it better that you can't create a center forward if you haven't got a center forward completely understand that and maybe that's that's just it there's nothing more to be said but i do think if clark can qualify for the world cup he'll he'll be a much better manager for it this is where this is the moment where it is different being an international manager to a club manager it is worth staying with someone when they've failed because he will learn so much It's, it's just a waste to throw it away you've got you've got to let him grow
5: they all will, and they all—they all said that after the game. It's like this is—it's been a generation. There's none of them have ever ever been in this position, and they will learn from it. Um, and I think they'll kind of grow in stature. They're also, as I say, because there's a core of players who are young enough to kind of develop together and be kind of mainstays of the team. I think they will grow in stature together, and and there's a—you can see there's a a bit of a t- togetherness there as well. You know, it's not not been enough to get them over the line, but they're certainly more more kind of unity in the squad and and a bit of optimism
2: well gregor unfortunately it is commiserations for scotland but i think i concur steve clark's still the man and who knows he might be going to the world cup let's see if they can replicate uh, some of the joy they've brought the nation over the last 12 months um up next though we'll look ahead to games involving france germany and portugal of course on the final game of the group stages but remember if you're enjoying the podcast please do leave us a five-star review on apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast from
1: when you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring at blue nile.com you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online
2: So we are on to the final day of the group stages at Euro 2020. Sweden atop of Group E. They're on four points ahead of Slovakia on three. Spain on two and Poland with one. Tomorrow sees Sweden face Poland and Slovakia take on Spain. And there's going to be a massive end in Group F as well. France leading the way on four points. Germany on three Portugal on three as well, and then Hungary on one. Germany hosting the Hungarians in Munich, and the big one sees Portugal face France in Budapest. And England, of course, will have a very close eye on this group as they will be playing the runners-up next. And let's take a look to that massive game, I think. Let's just talk about France against Portugal because there is a chance the world champions... Could finish second in the group with a negative result. Um, are the French as good as we think they are, Gregor? You know, is there any way that Portugal can beat them?
5: Absolutely. Yeah, they've been, they obviously had a, a bit of a wobble last time out. Um, such overwhelming favourites, they didn't really hit full stride. It was, it was a kind of obviously a bit of a raucous atmosphere. Won't be quite the same as that. it's, I, I don't know. I think the whole thing about Benzema coming back in—he's been unlucky. He's had a goal chopped off or offside. He's not just not quite hit a stride, I don't think, yet for France. The thing is that this was, this was the kind of conversation we were having in the World Cup. I've said this before, or recent nights. You think back, it's not always about, you know, people want England to be unleashed. It doesn't matter. It's about winning. It's about being effective. And I think France will undoubtedly find find a way to do that. Um, but Portugal have got huge threats. We've said it, I think probably on paper, the second second strongest squad. Um, Ronaldo, Fernandes, Silva, Jota—it's incredible lineup. So, um, it's certainly going to be made for a mouthwatering clash. You
2: miss Nelson, Tomato. Off that, you know, some of the fans of Portugal not very happy with how they've defended, particularly in the last game as well. But I think it boils down to Cristiano Ronaldo. You know, if if he can have that huge impact once again, Allison, then I think he will relish taking on France because, of course, we know he wants to have that huge all eyes on him effect where people sit there at the end of the game and say he's the best, the best to ever do it. Do you think he'll rise to the occasion?
4: Oh, he usually does, doesn't he? But he, he'll be either helped or hindered by the decision Deschamps makes on what which France he wants to t- turn up for this one. Is it the France that respects the opponent and plays on the break and plays very organised, frustratingly, swarmy football, suffocating um, a team and Portugal are unbalanced. They have better attackers than they have defenders. So does he? T- does he just take the view they're going to go for it? We'll frustrate them, and then our our own skills pace will get them on the counter. Or does he? T- does he take the view? Well, we're the superior team. I've seen frailties in Portugal. We'll control the game. Uh, and if he does that, who does he? Does it rely on to do that? I mean, I think I've written about eighteen pieces saying so it's time for Giroud to come back because that was <laughs> that was that was France's problem at the start of the World Cup in Russia. Is that they had all the pieces of the jigsaw except one. They needed somebody to knit it together, and that person was Giroud. I, I don't know. Also, I do I do think you know Giroud wants to be tops top France scorer of all time. Why not? Why not bring in someone who's got two motivations? And the experience. I don't think bringing Benzema in has enhanced the team at all, really. So. I'll be interested to see whether he actually does decide to try and replicate more of what they did in Russia. There are two versions of France and I don't know which one will turn up.
2: Honestly, it's my goal in life to find a woman who talks about me the way you talk about (laughs) Olivier Giroud, Alistair. Honestly, I knew you'd get a mention in there somehow. I I do think this will be one of the games of the tournament because I think Portugal, if they go behind, will be desperate, of course, to, to win the game because that will guarantee their progression But also I think France won't want to finish second in the group and take on England either. So I think we might see the final game of the group stage is two great sides actually going all out to win as well. So I think that would be massive. Um, And look, we'll discuss that, like I say, in 24 hours, I say at the end of every podcast. That will be coming up very, very shortly for you. But Alison Rudd, Gregor Robertson, James Restall, Jonathan Northcroft, thank you all for being with me on this episode of The Game. More to come during Euro 2020. So make sure you are subscribed, not just to us, hit subscribe if you're listening, wherever you are listening, but also to the time Times and the Sunday Times as well, with more great content coming across all of your devices. Go online, search the Times.co.uk forward slash the game to start your free trial right now. We will see you tomorrow.
1: Planning for your next trip?